And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast, Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, joined by my teammate, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Braden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Berube, reached out as well and um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your rear. Never wanting to leave the eyes when the pain set in. So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump. Listen to Blue Notes and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Canes Train Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow at Canes Train Pod on Twitter. Thanks for joining me today. The Hurricanes are 6-1, baby, and they play tonight with a chance to make it 7-1. That's pretty ridiculous. You know what else is ridiculous? Winning up to $55 million in prizes. All right, let me tell you about a little something from our sponsor, DraftKings. The 55th Super Bowl is this weekend, 55, and a game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. And like, let's be honest, the football trophy is lame, all right? A football on a stick, that's the lamest trophy in all of sports, all right? 
We're giving you something way bigger than that. And by we, I mean DraftKings. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How is that for big? All you got to do to get your free sh- your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. So as soon as you sign up, they're giving you a prize. I mean, it doesn't get much easier than that to win something, right? And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. That sounds pretty good to me. Download the app now. Enter the free prediction challenge. Again, it's free. You don't even have to pay anything to get in, but you get an instant prize and you can win a million dollars, man. Answer questions like who will score last. Boom. Get ready to make it rain. Easy, right? DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. You can get paid, baby. Go do it. Download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing, so use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Thank you, DraftKings. Go check that out for sure. Promo code THPN. As always, welcome to the show. Today, I got to speak with a good guy, radio host. You know him from pregame, postgame, Kane's coverage. You know him from the Adam Gold Show, 12 to 3, Monday through Friday on 99.9 The Fan. And uh, you know him from like a million podcasts about the Hurricanes. If you listen to Hurricane stuff, you definitely know who this guy is. It's Alec Campbell. He was my guest today. Uh, a lot of fun to talk to. I feel like Alec and I are a very similar, um, you know, personality when it comes to talking about sports. Like we're passionate about it, you know, and I feel like we know it pretty well. But uh, you just don't take it too too seriously. Like, and it's easy to point out the the funniness of just sports in general, which is what we did a little bit in this one. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. What's the point, man? Canes play tonight. Go, go, baby, go. Uh, I'm interested to see who starts in goal. I don't know that right now. You'll know that by the time this comes out, probably. Good on you. You got one up on me. Um, so, you know, let's just get right into this chat I had with Alec Campbell from 99.9 The Fan. Go follow him at Alec Campbell 5 on Twitter. Um, and check out, you know, the uh, Stormfront Aftermath, all that jazz. I hate that I just said all that jazz. I'm sorry, but uh, listen to this interview. It was good if you want to call it an interview. All right, I'm here with Alec Campbell. You know him from 99.9 The Fan, uh, The Adam Gold Show, which they got to get work your name into that somehow, man. Uh, Gold doesn't need his ego pumped anymore, does he? Uh, and, you know, Stormfront, Aftermath, all that sort of stuff. Alec, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. Uh, no, thank you very much for, uh, you know, taking your time to go from radio to more things talking into a microphone i yeah. <laughs> i appreciate no worries it. man it's uh it's it's just part of the gig like you know we do i did yesterday i did a show and then i did pre and post and then i did kane's corner podcast after the post game show which is like post post game yeah. so you know it's an it's a never-ending gig man so it's all good yeah well at least it's fun to talk about the hurricanes right i always think of right. it like that yeah absolutely um, I want to quickly 
breeze through um, as we record this yesterday's game. But if you're listening on Thursday when this comes out, uh, it would be the game Tuesday against Chicago in Chicago where the Canes picked up a 4-3 shootout win, which seems to be the uh, specialty lately. Um, I wanted to get your quick thoughts on the game because honestly I thought that the uh, I thought that the Hurricanes maybe they tend to do this to me against teams that you would consider like the low end of the division or whatever it may be that they tend to play their more organized hockey against the better teams in the league and then they tend to yeah. play more of like a up and down game against the lower teams but I feel like they're also getting better at still doing that but like not as chaotic because if you remember like some games against Detroit or Ottawa and etc last year like to me got a little out of hand there was so many chances being given up and like it's it's fun but I feel like it doesn't win you games um I'm wondering if your assessment of that game was similar to that you mean just the Chicago game yesterday yeah I, just the Chicago I mean game. I don't think they played their best brand of hockey yesterday I mean I guess I would tend to agree with you in terms of you know, it's the whole playing up to your competition or playing down to your competition. And it kind of makes sense, right? Because if you've got a team that is really good, then you're more likely to be kind of on your P's and Q's about everything as opposed to the opposite. But I think yesterday was sort of a combination of things. And to be honest with you, like, I didn't think it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was... I didn't think they could they put it together for long enough spurts. And I actually thought that the first period was mostly dominated by the Hurricanes up until the very end of it. Rod Brindamore didn't like the first period. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously always defer to him on whatever he thinks about stuff. And actually, if you go back and you look at the, you know, advanced metrics and the numbers from the first period in terms of possession and, and shots and stuff like that, it was in favor of Chicago. But Carolina, I thought the first 15 minutes owned most of the game. I thought they came out skating pretty hard. But I think part of what happened yesterday was a bunch of dudes who have been out for COVID-19 reasons being reacclimated into the lineup. And it kind of threw everything for a loop a little bit. And I think Rod alluded to that in the postgame where, you know, they just never really were in sync. I think there was... I don't think there was really much of an effort issue, but they just never really got in sync. And they, I think they put it together for short spurts, but not for long enough. And, you know, I also think that Chicago is a better team than we think they are. Yeah, they and, did pretty well. Yeah, I thought they played pretty well. And just having listened to some of the people in Chicago who cover them and a couple of podcasts and stuff like that, they're pleasantly surprised with what they've seen from their team who are now three, four, and four, I think, on the season. But they've got a young goaltender. That Lankinen kid is pretty good. Right. So they've at least got that to hang their head on. They got the Brinkett back last night, who I thought was really good in the game. Patrick Kane, obviously, you know, you can't leave him pucks right in the slot. He's going to score. So I, I thought that, they were just not good enough in spurts. And I actually thought that where they've been very buttoned up defensively for a lot of this year, and I think that's really been the key to their game where, you know, it's not really so much what they've done offensively, but what they've limited other teams to defensively. And I think last night they had at least two laps, lapses. I mean, 
say what you will about the first goal was a power play goal and they kind of tic-tac-toed it around. Um, I, and then the, the second two goals were a poor clear and the third goal was just a completely, it was just a complete disaster. So, which caused a chain reaction, guys were scrambling around, and Chicago caught them. So, I think last night, their defense, just as a team, wasn't good. Because if you go back and you look at the game so far this season, you're going to find three games. um, You know, the first game, they allowed 14 shots on goal. The game against Dallas on Saturday night last week, they allowed 11 shots on goal. They did not allow a five-on-five shot on goal after the first period in that game. Yeah, There there have been other stretches like that. And so I think that's that's a testament to everyone, forwards included, being on their P's and Q's defensively. I'm not sure they were that yesterday in Chicago. So long answer to a short question. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's nuanced. It's not not as easy as just like they sucked, (laughs) right? It wasn't just that, like. Or they, you know, they, there was, there were some good parts of it. There just yeah. weren't enough of them. Yeah. I didn't think they played bad. Honestly, I thought that Rod was maybe a, a tad harsh of what I would consider a, a fair assessment of the game. I mean, I think if you just listened to the press conference and you didn't watch the game, you would have thought they would have played significantly worse than they actually did. But right. that being said, I mean, we all know Rod had, he knows exactly what he wants to see. He's mm-hmm. very, very particular about his structure and all that. And so I will agree with him that they definitely got away from the structure. Like they made yeah. way more neutral zone, defensive zone turnovers than they normally do, which is like a big, not okay thing to do. Um, so I, I can see where he was upset. I really do think yeah. it came down to all the guys that didn't play uh, for a while. I mean, one, it's just hard to to come back after not having, you know, being in game shape or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, they also were technically sick. So whether yeah. or not a lot of guys have bad symptoms or anything, I mean, it is still like an illness that your body has to overcome. Like it's not easy just to start playing. So I'm not surprised that they didn't play all-star before. I mean, I'm not surprised Tavo Teravine wasn't like dishing behind the back in between the legs passes or anything. But uh, I thought that I thought that he was right, that it did kind of bleed into um, the rest of the team because it's, those guys, it's not like it was one line. I mean, pretty much every part of your team had one of those players coming back affecting some part of it. And I think that they were maybe not quite up to speed. And I think that's what you saw. It Honestly, it looked like Chicago was faster than I expected them to be. I mean, they, they do have a lot of young pieces, but I don't know that you just think of Chicago as like lightning quick team. At least I don't, I mean, maybe I'm misinformed on their roster as well, but um thought that they seemed a little quicker than the hurricanes for a lot of the game. And I thought that had a lot to do with the hurricanes kind of giving them pucks and positions mm-hmm. where it's easier to get breakout on rush odd man rushes and and all sorts of stuff like that so yeah i yeah, mean i thought it had a lot to do with the guys coming back well i mean don't forget that warren fogle came back and he had a two-point game yeah. now how much is that is due to playing on a line with jordan stall who's absolutely on fire right now <laughs> yeah. um he might be one of their but he might be their best player at the moment i don't know i mean they're probably two or three guys you could choose from if you want to look at trocheck you want to look at Tashkov, obviously. But, I mean, Jordan Stahl has been I – mean, he's got six points in the four games he's been back. So he's – and he had two assists last night. So he's been awesome. So Warren Fogle played all right. Dougie Hamilton, I thought, his worst game mm-hmm. of the year. He's playing on a pair with Jacob Slavin, who's coming back. Tavo Teravine, and I thought 
got better as the game went along, but nowhere near what he normally is. In the third period, he showed a couple of flashes, uh, but really that's it. Jordan Martinuk, I didn't think was much of a factor. And then I blame him on the third goal, to be honest with you, because I'm not sure why he decided to come over and help Shea, who already had a mark on Kubalik. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was already taken yeah. care of, and then he runs into Shea, and Shea falls down, and then Martinuk chases Kubalik behind the net, and then Pesci chases Debrinkit behind the net, and Strom floats into the slot, and no one picks him up. So Martinuk probably is the one who caused that series of debauchery that occurred. But um, there are a lot of things that you got to consider when guys come back. You know, it's it's their conditioning, it's their feel, their instincts, their hands. I mean, a lot of guys talk about that. Their hands go. You know, they have to they have to get those back. So, you know, and then chemistry, working with you know line mates and D pairs and all that kind of stuff. Now you're just throwing guys in there who haven't played together in a while, and so there's a lot that kind of has to go right. And in that sense, they kind of escaped with two points because they didn't play their best game, but they still got to win. Yeah, I honestly look at it as positively as I can. I mean, the fact that they got two points out of that, I think is outstanding because you look at the circumstances. uh, I'm not sure, honestly, this might sound dumb. I'm not sure personally which is more difficult. The guy having to deal with the next man up, five new guys or, you know, whoever has to replace all the guys that were out with COVID protocols and having to deal with that roster and kind of mm-hmm. man up and, and weather through that or five guys that haven't, or four, I guess it would be right. Four or five. I can't remember. Um, having to come back after not having played in so long and just go right back into their roles and be successful. Like I think that those both pose their own challenges, but I think that when you're calling guys up, like they're healthy, they're motivated. They, they right. want nothing more than to be where they are. Like you're going to get a, you're going to get their best performance that they're capable of performing. The guys coming back, like if you got their best performance, it would be extremely surprising in those conditions. So um, I think that you can, I was kind of grading this game the same way I was grading the Tampa Bay game in that it's, it's a little bit, you know, skewed judgment wise. You know, when, when we have everybody in there and it's established, I'm looking for this level of play, but when there's these, all these external things, it's kind of hard to say, Oh, it has to be this, or it wasn't good enough. Um, I'm fine with the fact that the Hurricanes seem to be very able to just w- get wins. I mean, like six and one is a, and mm-hmm. even in just seven games, I mean, that's that's a really good record. And um, it's hard to just string that many wins together in the NHL because so every team can beat you any given night. So if you're able to consistently just find ways to win, especially when you don't play your best hockey, to me, that's that's the most impressive thing about this team so far this season has been just the ability to figure out a way to win, whether it's dominating or whether it's having to come back or, or, you know, win games and shootouts. I mean, like the, none of that's easy to do. So I've been impressed. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's the name of the game at the end of the day, right? Is somehow find a way to pick up a victory. Rod said it yesterday in the post game as well. You got to figure out good teams, figure out ways to win, even when they don't have their best stuff. So, and you know, I'll, I'll even say even within games, you know, part of winning games is not just about, you know, I mean, obviously you have to score the most amount of goals, but you also have to withstand the push from the other team. And you also have to figure out ways to mitigate your deficiencies. And if you can do that, because listen, these are pro teams, even the worst team in the league, 
usually at some point is going to give you some kind of a push. You know, right. they're going to give you, you know, everyone likes to, to throw out the 60 minute game thing and all that kind of stuff. And if we're being realistic about it, and I understand what people mean when they say that if we're being realistic about it. I mean, asking anyone to do anything perfectly, see, like that's the, the, the way we analyze sports can be so interesting sometimes yeah. because it's like, it's like whenever, like we'll, we'll go into a game talking about all of the faults that our team has and all of the challenges that the other team presents. But then when we come away with a loss, it's all about all the things we didn't do well. Right. It's never yeah. about what they did, you know? Right. Um, and, and so, like, you know, and, and my point is, like, they're going – these teams are going to give you some kind of pressure or some kind of push at some point. Can you mitigate the damage or can you get out of those scenarios with with no damage, you know? And if you can get through those times, then you you give yourself a chance all the time. But if you let things spiral out of control, then suddenly you find yourself in deep holes that are harder to dig yourself out of. And, you know, I thought the Hurricanes were good for the 15 minutes. They got up 2 nothing. Fortunately, they gave up two goals. They came out in the second period, and I don't think they were the better team. But they got some big saves from James Reimer right at the beginning of the period. You'll remember a mad scramble in front of the net. Strom yeah. kind of hesitated and then fed, I think it was Kubalik and then Debrinket on the rebound. And he made both of those saves. Then you have a scenario where – Svechnikov lays out Solderberg in mm. front of the referee's box, you know, so like, okay, you're not scoring the goals. You're not getting the possession. You're not getting the shot attempts. You're not getting great A's, but what else are you doing? Mm. You know, how, how are you making up for that within the game? And that was it making saves, getting physical. Mm -hmm. And that's all you can do at that point until you, and, and then you kind of let the game come to you again. You know, just like basketball, yeah. they say it's a game of runs. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, right? I mean, yeah. it comes and goes. You have to capitalize on it when it's there, and you got to mitigate the damage when it's not. And yeah. so, like, that's that's kind of – I mean, that's just sports, right? So however you get that done, game in and game out, like there are going to be games that are outliers, like the Dallas game on Saturday. You know, like there's they're probably not – they're well, they're not probably – Dallas isn't as bad as 11 shots on goal in an entire game and no five-on-five -five shots on goal for two periods. Right. They're just not. That's an outlier of a game. You know, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe Chicago isn't that good. But for one game, and we're going to see them seven more times. Yeah, we'll find out. I mean, we'll find out, right? And the Hurricanes may blow them out once here or there. Chicago may blow them out once here or yeah. there. Um, so in, in, in one game samples, but yeah, like in the end, you know, figure it out, get through it, get two points. That's all that matters. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. It's weird that we, it's like, we either talk about it. If, if, if the hurricanes are, have a game like they did against Dallas, where they give them no shots basically for two thirds of the game, we all go, the Hurricanes fans, I'll say, the Hurricanes played amazing. Like, we're the best mm -hmm. team ever. And all the Dallas fans are going, we suck tonight. This was the right. worst game I've seen us play. Like, which one? Is it both? I mean, it can't, right. like... It's like, it's like wait giving... a second. 
you just you just pointed out all the things we're not very good at. <laughs> right. And we just and you just pointed out all the things they're good at. Yeah. But then we lost the game. It has nothing to do with any of those things anymore. <laughs> no, it's just we're bad now. Yeah, right. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, sometimes you have to give credit to the fact that other teams are also good. Like, there's good players on every team. When they there's do good sports. things, it doesn't always mean we suck. Sometimes right. it means we tried, but they're just really good also, you know. It's not rocket science, man. Like, no. we, 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 try to, we try to make these things so com- – and we got to have stuff to talk about, you know. We do. And, we, and we all, we're all fishing for the – the one thing that someone else isn't saying, right? We're all trying yeah. to out, outsmart each other with our tanks yeah. all the time. But really, we just all say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Different words. <laughs> and, in the, and, and in the end, it's sports. You know, you're not going to be perfect all the time. The mm-hmm. other team has something to do with it. You know, and that's just the way it is. I mean, it, and, and normally, it, you know, it it, uh, it evens out in the end, as they say. Like, the, the, the teams that are good rise and the teams that are not good fall. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned that Andre Svechnikov hit, which I have to just bring up. When I saw that happen, uh, he had that kind of like stare down at Soderberg. Like, yeah, that's right. That just happened. And I pointed that. I was watching that game with my wife on the couch, and I pointed to that, and I said, that right there is my favorite. Like, not just yeah. the fact that he hit him, the, the <laughs> fact that he looked down, he was like, yeah, that's right. Like, I, I, I love that beyond anything else. I love that yeah. he's like – got that uh you know swagger i don't know what else to call it but like he's just a confident dude right now he is just on really turning into a just ridiculously good player yeah man he's awesome and like that's the thing about him and trip trip talked about this on the on the broadcast last night too where you know he had talked to Sidney crosby Mm -hmm. and crosby talked about svechnikov being this dude who can play you know a different kind of game i I thought that was on display last night because like he's never been afraid even from mm-hmm. even from year number one, I remember watching games and seeing like this kid just got in the league. He's eighteen years old, and he and he just he pesters veteran players in the league like he has no clue who they are. Right, right, just like this complete naivete on his yeah. part. But he also has like the physical gifts to right. be able to do that. Like, like I'm not going up to you know <laughs> Obi with any no. kind of confidence. No, about anything, right? No. Maybe it's just youth, youth for him, or whatever. I guess he's like, got that grown man strength, though. It's like that's right. just sense that. <laughs> that's right, but you know, and like even in the playoffs, like he wasn't scared. He got his ass knocked out, but he wasn't scared. Like he, right. he just, he just does that. But that's the game he plays. That physical, you know, as good as he is with the lacrosse goals and you know all of that kind of stuff and the skill, and you see his scoring ability now. It's like it's next it's becoming next level i mean but he also then turns around and lays somebody out in an open ice hit so like he's got all those elements to his game and that's what makes him great yeah yeah he's a he's a young star i mean you everybody can argue as much as they want i firmly believe he he deserved to be number one overall pick in that draft but uh i'm very glad that he fell to number two if you will um because the hurricanes definitely won all kinds of lotteries when they got Andre Spechnikov. Um, I want to pivot real quick and I want to talk about goaltending um, because, I mean, I'm sure you've, anyone you talk to around the league is like, oh, the Hurricanes, they're great, but those goalies. And it's like, mm. I mean, if you watched, you would see that like, it it seems it seems to be fine. And it has been yeah. for several years now, actually, with very similar guys, Peter Morozik and whoever the, you know, 
2A guy that you want to call it happens to be that year. Um, but now without Morozik, I feel like now that discussion, like I would jump on that board of like, I'm a bit concerned because, and look, Hurricanes fans, like someone will be mad at me for saying this because everyone, and I think it's built up from all the years the Hurricanes were just bad and we just pleaded for them to bring up the next young thing in hopes that they would turn out to be Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci. But the reality mm-hmm. is like most of those guys are Zach Dalpay and Zach Boychuk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just the the want for those guys to turn into the stars that we feel like they could be. But to me, Nadelkovich like has potential, but I'm not sure that he's much more than like a fringe backup goalie at the NHL level to me. Like that's what I've seen from him. Um, I, he's one of those guys that I feel like is going to be at that really good AHL, like, difficult to make the transition because of the jump just happens to be like where he falls the jump just kind of leaps over him and he he goes from being really good to like really on the on the border of even being at the next level um and maybe he'll surprise me and like i always say this i hope he does like i'm definitely i'm not one of those people that's like yeah i think this guy sucks and like i hope i'm right so that i can show everyone like no i want that guy to be good like if i say that Jake Bean's not going to make the NHL roster. Like I want Jake Bean to be an all-star player, you know, like good for Mm -hmm. him. I I hope he does prove me wrong and I'll admit that I am, but I'm not sold on Ned. And I'm also a a tad bit worried on just riding James Reimer because I think he does really, really well in this role, but at least with the hurricanes, like we haven't seen him have to tackle game after game after game of workload, especially in a season like this where we're playing like literally every 12 hours, it feels like. Um, yeah. I'm interested in your thoughts. Like, do you have concerns? Do you feel like they'll be okay? Yeah. I mean, I have, I have concerns only because like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure what I think in Ned only because yeah. I just haven't seen that much of him before. I mean, he's played what, like six, five, six NHL yeah. games, maybe if that, I mean, I'm not even, I don't even know what the numbers are at this point, but it does feel like, I mean, he was really good in Charlotte one mm-hmm. of those years. He might have even been the goaltender of the year, if I remember yep. correctly, in Charlotte he like was, a couple yeah. years ago. You know, but if that's the case, then why didn't he make his way to the NHL when they decided to go with Curtis McElhaney and they decided right. to go with James Reimer, you know? So maybe there's something to that, that we, you know, that they know something that we don't know about. Maybe it, it is just that there's, you know, there's a log jam and he hasn't just been able to crack it because McElhaney turned out to be really good. Remember, it was Cam Ward and, and Scott Darling. Yeah. And then Ward went to Chicago and it was Darling and McElhaney. Or how, did, I, did I get that right? Darling got hurt, I think it was. Okay, so then it was Darling and Morozik. Yeah, and then yeah, Darling got. Then they got rid of Darling. He got and it hurt, was, so they picked and up McElhaney, and then, then they were was, like, "Oh, you're good." Then it was Mrazek and McElhaney. Right, right, right. And then McElhaney went to Tampa, and it was Mrazek mm-hmm. and Reimer. Yep. You know, so maybe there was just like some kind of a just a log jam, and they figured, well, you know, we've got these guys. They're probably not going to be around long, and Ned's still got you know, service time in the minors. So we might as well just let him play. And if we do find ourselves in scenarios where 
we can get them a spot start here or there, we'll do that like they did in Vancouver one time. And then last year when both Mrazek and Reimer went out and they were able to bring he and Forsberg up. And then I think he kind of got beat out by Forsberg. Mm-hmm. I thought but, so too. Yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm fairly certain, if I remember correctly, that Ned made like two starts and Forsberg made like four. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but like that's the way it felt to me. I don't think Reimer is an everyday goaltender, especially at this point in his career. I think that he's definitely better suited for a tandem situation. So we're going to see Ned. And we yeah. got the news today that Morozik's going to have surgery on his thumb. So he's going to be out for, for a while. Now, I'm not sure how long, because I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly what surgery he's having. But, I mean, probably safe to assume he's out for a month, six yeah. weeks, maybe two months. You know, I don't know. Um, so we're going to see Ned. So in that sense, yeah, I do have some concerns because I don't know what to think of him. Maybe Ned turned out to be good, though. Right. You know, like, I don't, I just don't know. But I'll say this about the Hurricanes goaltending, at least as of last year. Be- well, even before. Because for so long, Hurricanes fans, you know, just wanted, just get us league average goaltending. Just get us <laughs> league average goaltending. Well, we got that. Yeah. The last two seasons, we've got that. And I would even argue that last year, the Hurricanes were one of the best teams in the league in terms of generating high-danger chances. They were also one of the best teams in the league at allowing high-danger chances. <laughs> yes. I mean, there were so many odd-man rushes and so many just precarious <laughs> scenarios that league-average goaltending for the saves they had to make is yeah, probably – a is probably equivalent to better than league average goaltending, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Contextually speaking. <laughs> yes. And then you get to this year, and you've got Morozik, who at least, you know, in limited sample size, and they've only played six games as a team, and Morozik had only made like three starts. I mean, he had a goals against under one. It was tops of the league. Mm-hmm. He and Reimer were both top ten in goals against. Um, his save per- they have a combined save percentage of like 945 or something like that. Yeah. So as a, as a tandem, they've been better than league average this year. You know, So they've been great. Now, again, just going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think that has a lot to do with how they've played as a team. Because even Rod will tell you, stopping pucks has as much to do with everybody in front of the goaltenders as it does the goaltenders themselves. Like We tend to just jump on the goaltenders because they're an easy target all the time. Yeah, but I think as a team, especially when you look at fourteen shots, eleven shots, twenty-one shots, you know, on net in some of these games, that's a testament to everybody. It's not just a right. testament to the goal to the goaltenders. Yeah. Um, so they've been really good with that. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I think I think Reimer plays Thursday only because they had a day off today, and I think he played fine last night i didn't hate him and i i didn't necessarily love him and he made a couple of big saves and then i mean i could see them rolling him out again someday and then playing ned on back to back on the the on the next monday i don't know yeah maybe that's what they'll do because i think they'll ride rhymer as long as they can 
I mean, he's undefeated so far this yeah, year. Might as well, right? He's been he's been pretty good. So I don't know, but they've they've had a really good method. However, they determine who to start. Whether it was I agree, you know, Jason Mazzotti last year, um, the goaltending coach, or the guy who was before him, who I can't remember his name now, who left. Um, he was with mm. Pittsburgh. He, he, he yeah. trained. He was a, Matt Murray's coach there for a while, and then he came down mm. here for a season. Then he bounced. Down blanking on his name. Me too, um, which is disappointing because he was a very good goaltending yeah. coach. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, they've been able to push the right buttons in that scenario in terms of when do we play guys, when do we break guys? But they're going to have to give Ned. They're going to have to get Ned in. Don't forget also, Ned hasn't played right. since the pandemic started. Yeah. So <laughs> he hasn't seen a game since February or March, whatever it was. Yeah. So that's they, crazy for regular players. That's much crazier for a goalie to just jump get, into a game after like nine months. Yeah. That is absurd. Yeah. So, I mean, who, who would you rather see him play against Chicago or Columbus? Hmm. Hmm. It's a good question. Probably Columbus, honestly, because Columbus doesn't have Patrick Kane and Dominic Kubalik and Alex Dabrinka. I mean, they've yeah. got like Felino and Cam Atkinson. I'm not as scared of those guys. Plus, they kind of haven't been playing that well. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think that Ned will be fine. I'm just curious if like it's good enough, you know, because I feel like Morozik yeah. and Reimer are both capable of being number one goalies with less games played and just being able to rotate them well. Like I I don't know if like basically Morozik and Reimer, I 100% count on them to give us a chance to win every single game and like I, last year, every game, I thought pretty much. I, I, it's really hard to point to a game where you go, "Oh, the goalie was pretty responsible for losing us that game." I can three, four years ago, I could probably list you off a lot of examples of when you could at least yeah. argue that that was the case. I haven't yeah. seen that lately. Um, but with with Ned, it's just yeah, it's the sample size. Like I worry about it. I mean, he is an undersized guy. So is Peter Morozik. I think Peter Morozik is extremely gifted, you know, athletically and reflex wise. Like I don't know. I also agree with you that, you know, if Ned's the second coming of, you know, of Marty Brodeur, then like why, not only why hasn't he beat out some of these backup level guys, you would say, but why are the Hurricanes bringing in other guys who are getting paid way more money when they're paying him? I mean, he's on a one-way contract, is he not? So like, Yeah, this year, yeah, him, yeah. Yeah, you're paying him 700 and change no matter what. Like if, if you if you confidently think he's good enough to even be a backup goalie, like why would you not ride with that? So it seems like it's like the hurricanes also are, are unsure of the product. And just when you're a good team, it doesn't make sense to gamble on a guy that you're not sure about. Like, yeah, maybe you throw him in and maybe he does great. And maybe you can start him five, six games in a row and he, he kills it for you. Um, You know, maybe the Ned's the one of the three stars of the month in February, who knows, but to, to take that risk, like you would never want to take that risk of putting that guy in when you're top in the division. Like that's something you do, you choose to do when you're like, we can't, nothing else could get worse. I mean, we're yeah. two and nine. It doesn't matter anymore. If we win or lose, we're probably losing. Might as well see if this guy can, you know, squeak out some wins. But the Hurricanes are in that position. So therefore it makes me nervous to kind of have to put a wild card out there, you know? Yeah, but maybe he sure. does great. It's it's just like the unknown. We, it's not. We have to hope so. We have to yeah. hope so because I mean, again, 
Reimer's not an everyday goaltender anymore. So yeah. I mean, he's he has to play at some point. Yep. We'll see. I guess. Um, all right, Alec. I really appreciate you jumping on here with me. Um, no problem. Go check out Alec twelve to three Monday through Friday. Of course, before and after every game. Um, yep. You know, he also Kane's Corner Podcast. Yeah, I was gonna I'm say you don't the, think you record enough, so you record after every game with Adam too, usually. So most of the time, yeah, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Unless sometimes Adam will give me the day off and he'll call up uh, Corey Lavalette or yeah. Brian LeBlanc or you know one of the other people who covers the team. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, I'm usually on there with him. So give us a, give us give us some you know give us some ratings, give us some reviews, get the podcast out there, all that for sure you know, stuff that people say about podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And at A Campbell five, is that right? Alec Campbell five. Alec Campbell five. Yep. So close. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <brother. laughs> All right, man. We'll do it again sometime. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Later.